seconds to begin the live stream. Um, I will advise you when the 30 seconds begins. Thank you so much. 30 seconds has begun. Thank you. Good morning. Oh, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Staff is ready when you are. Okay, very fine. Thank you. So we are recording as a confirmation. Is that correct, sir? Correct. Thank you. All right. Good morning. This is the March 23rd hearing of the Urban Forestry Department of the City of Sacramento. My name is Sandra Bettencourt, and I am the hearing examiner appointed by City Council. And again, to all those present, I apologize for not being present with you today. Uh, other than via this Zoom connection. I'd like to acquaint you with a few rules and procedures of the hearing. Uh, these proceedings are being electronically recorded. So as you provide your testimony, it will be important that you speak loudly and clearly so that your uh, testimony can be recorded. When your item is called, please remember to, un well, you're not going to unmute yourself, but step forward to the, uh, the podium. Um, and all city staff, appellants, and witnesses will be sworn in prior to testifying today. Before speaking, um, I would like you to state for the record your name and mailing address. And I will hear evidence first presented by city staff and then by uh, the property owners or witnesses, um, representatives of the owners or other appellants in this issue. Once your item is heard, um, I need to advise you that a written decision will be issued within 30 days of today's date. And my decision in these matters will be final. So with that, um, I, I'd like to ask that the uh, parties for this item be sworn, all of the parties. Okay. All that will be speaking today if you raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear under penalty of perjury that the testimony and evidence that you give at this hearing shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, could I please hear first from city staff with regard to this item? Uh, my name is Tyler Lehman. I'm a city arborist with uh, Department of Public Works Urban Forestry. Um, so, uh, we received uh, an appeal request from, uh, for a oak tree removal at 2319 5th Uh, subject is, uh, private protected tree removal permit appeal. Uh, the location is 2319 5th Avenue. The property owner is Elliot Reed. Um, and, uh, hearing date is March 23rd, 2023. Hearing examiner is Sandra in court. Um, so property owner Elliot Reed applied for a permit to remove a private protected valley oak from his backyard. Uh, the tree permit application stated that the tree had noticeable stress fractures and included bark in the main branch unions. Mm. Um, urban forestry determined that uh, the information provided sac uh, satisfied the Sacramento City Code and issued a tree removal permit. Um, 
the decision to issue the permit was appealed by the Sierra Curtis Neighborhood Association, um, and the primary concern appears to be that the subject tree is one of the few remaining trees that predates the development of the surrounding Crocker Village neighborhood. So um, just some background, uh, on November 17th, 2022, Urban Forestry received the permit application from Elliot Reed, the property owner, to remove the private protected tree uh, located in his backyard at 2319 Fifth Avenue. Um, the tree is a native valley oak with a trunk diameter at standard height of 17 inches. Um, and the information listed on the tree permit application submitted the justification for the removal of this tree, uh, stating that it had stress, frac stress fractures and included bark at the main branch unions. Um, on November 22nd, 2022, I reviewed the, the information that was submitted uh, by the property owner and performed a site visit. Um, I observed obvious structural defects and determined that the information in the tree permit application was consistent with the observable condition of the tree and satisfied the conditions described in the Sacramento City Code. Um, I issued a tree removal permit and posted the removal notice in the front yard and then uh, uploaded the removal notification to the City of Sacramento website to notify the public. Um, on December 17th, or December 7th, 2022, the City Clerk's Office received a tree removal permit appeal um, form accompanied with uh, the fee from the Sierra Curtis Neighborhood Association. Stated reason for the appeal appears to be based on the idea that the subject tree would be protected due to the fact that it's one of the few remaining trees associated with the site that the Crocker Village neighborhood was constructed on. Uh, the subject tree is located on private property, and while it is subject to the provisions of the Sacramento City Code 12.56, uh, any conditions of approval for the construction of the property or the neighborhood are not applicable uh, to the current property or its current owner. So, <coughs> Um, we also have some definitions included in this report uh, for what a private protected tree means um, and uh, the Sacramento City Code as it relates to the appeals. Um, next, I would like to show some pictures of the tree. So here, I know um, everybody can see that. Here's a picture of the tree. I'm not saying that yet, Tyler. All right. A shared screen. I Let have me know when it them. shows up. There it is. So here's a picture of the tree that um, the uh, the property owner um, applied for the removal permit for. Um, you can see there's multiple stems arising from the base at grade, or about one or two feet above grade. Um, and then if you look farther up the main stem, you can see more. Uh, uh, kind of co-dominant branches arising from this area. Uh, co-dominant branching structure is just known as the industry is not a sustainable growth habit for trees um, in general. Uh, and re would require some extensive pruning and maintenance as a result, um, you know, not uh, guaranteeing the health of the tree with such substantial uh, removals that would need to be taken from the tree. So here's a closer picture of a better picture of the base of the tree. And so you can see um, specifically this branch right here kind of um, arising from the base. And this, uh, you can see the depth of uh, kind of the uh, branching right there, um, causing it to have a higher likelihood of uh, breaking out, causing a large wound, large wound at the base. Um, and then here is another angle. Um, 
where you can really see how the uh, bark of kind of the main uh, dominant stem is pushing against this co-dominant, um, most likely leading to um, a failure at some point in the future. Um, you can see a little bit of kind of daylight right there. Um, and then lastly, this is uh, that branch union kind of at a, about 10 feet above grade on the main stem. Um, again, you can see included bark kind of pushing against itself um, with this S shape at the union and then just having three branches arising from a single branch union. Again, codominant stems, um, not a uh, sustainable growth habit for uh, this tree. So, second. So with that, um, urban forestry staff, myself, recommends that the appeal of the tree removal permit be denied. Um, due to the fact that the conditions of the Sacramento City Code 12.56.050B1B have been satisfied. Well, thank you for that. Could you go back to the first picture that you showed? Yeah. And a couple of questions on that. Definitely. So here's the whole tree. Okay. Um, it appears as though, just from the this particular shot that the tree is sitting below what is the grade level of the structure behind it by evidently a significant number of feet. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And is that an area that collects a lot of moisture, for instance, in this particular season that we've seen unprecedented amount of water? Is that something that where it holds water there or is there drainage from there. Not that I'm trying to suggest that I might know what I'm talking about here because I obviously am reliant upon both appellants and you to give me that information. If this tree were to be pruned, which of those, the main stem is that you would be taking off literally like a third of the tree or something if it were to be pruned, correct? This is Kevin Hawker. I'm the urban forester for the city of Sacramento. I'd like to address both these issues. Um, I have more experience with some of the history on the site. Um, I'll mm -hmm. take the pruning issue first because that's a more simple one, and then I'll answer the drainage issue as well. Um, the if this limb were to be the stem were to be removed, it would be about a third of the um, the tree. It would be something that would uh, alter the structure and the form of the tree. It's not something that's recommended. Now, as far as the drainage, that's a very unusual situation. In between the time that this project was initially conceived to the point where it was constructed, state laws changed in terms of flood control, and much of the site had to be raised up at least three feet in order to prevent flooding for the houses under current standards. Um, there was a requirement to protect the trees in the form of not uh, raising the grade or lowering the grade around uh, the trees as they were at the time. And so you were seeing a very unusual situation where half the backyard is about three feet higher than the area around the tree. You'll also notice that the adjoining uh, backyard around uh, neighboring backyard also has a equally, um, an equal kind of situation where there's a depression and a, and a raised up area where the house is sitting. That area does collect water, it does pond, uh, 
uh, quite a bit. There are drainage systems that are in place, uh, but that is not an ideal situation. Okay. All right, thank you so much. Okay. And I'm going to reserve the opportunity. Uh, Tyler, did that conclude your testimony at this yes. point? Yes. Okay. And yes. Kevin? Yes. And we'd like to add that the, uh, the owners of the property are here today, and if you'd like to ask them any questions or if there's anything that they'd like to say, now would be probably a good time for that. Okay, well, why don't we do that? And are they the individuals seated behind you? Okay, why don't the owners come forward and um, provide testimony? And if I could get you to please state your names for the record. Hello, Sandra. It's Kendra Macias-Reed. Mm -hmm. And I am Elliot Reed. Thanks for being here. Why don't you tell me a little bit about this tree? Sure. Um, so we bought the property in May of last year. I'm really excited to be in this community. It's a walkable community. We love it. Um, and we have, uh, we have small kids, so we're raising our family here. Um, definitely, I think the, the concern we have is the structure of the tree and if it's structurally sound. Um, we're going to be here for a very long time raising our kids. Um, and so our concern is really about the safety and the security of our house for both our children, for ourselves, but also for our home. So that's really what prompted us to um, submit the permit. Okay. Do you, uh, do you happen to know how old that tree is, approximately how old? Is that tree? I'm sorry, I should have asked that of the arborists as well. That would be a question that I wouldn't know the answer to. Seven. <laughs> been there for a while. But. Uh, the age of the tree is actually unknown. We can only estimate it based on its size. Um, uh, hold on, Tyler. Can you remind me how what the diameter of the tree was? It has a 17-inch trunk diameter. Um, you know, it's a it's a young, uh, you know, it's a young tree. It's it, it's it's not hundreds of years old. It's probably in the realm of you know 20 or 30 years old. Um, but those are just estimates. Okay. Thank you so much for clarifying that. All right. I'm sorry to have interrupted you, uh, the owners. So please go forward. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Do you? What are your plans should the tree be removed? What are your plans uh, given the concerns of the area with regard to the preservation of oak trees? I'm sorry, Sandra, could you clarify the question? Are you, are you asking like what our plans That's, are in terms of yeah. our, our Plant, property? Planting behind that, should it be removed or? Oh, sure. Yeah, so um, just about not even 10 feet away from the, the photo that you saw of the tree, our neighbors have planted uh, 12 trees already in their backyard. Uh, and then of course we plan to work uh, with actually the, the Sac Tree Foundation. Um, I, professionally I work with the Sac Tree Foundation, so personally we know that they do have programs uh, for homeowners to uh, you know, purchase or even receive free trees. Um, so we're, we're definitely looking to, to get um, some foliage in the backyard, absolutely. All right. Okay. Does that conclude your testimony? It does. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Uh -huh. Okay. Could we please hear then from the appellants?
Good morning, Dan Piskowski. I reside at 2309 Castro Way. I'm a 32 year resident of Sacramento, residing in the Curtis Park neighborhood for the past 18 years. I have a bachelor's of science degree in landscape horticulture. I did postgraduate study in applied animology and forest and shade tree pathology. I've been an International Society of Arboriculture certified arborist for the past 30 years. I'm also an International Society of Arboriculture tree risk assessment qualified. I was Colorado State University campus arborist for eight years and I moved to Sacramento in 1990, was hired by the city as city arborist, a position I held for 29 and a half years and I retired in April of 2020. I wanted to clarify one thing right off from the start. The Sierra Curtis Neighborhood Association is not filing this appeal. Originally, because we only have a 15 day period, I filed it on behalf of the Neighborhood Concerns Committee, but the Neighborhood Association is so busy, busy with a lot of other issues that they didn't want to take it up. And so I'm representing uh, concerned neighbors in the neighborhood who we everybody pitched in to pay the $298 fee. So this is not um, Sierra Curtis Neighborhood Association. All right, and let's see. Curtis Park neighborhood is home to many Valley Oaks. You can see like some of these houses that were built in the 20s and how close they constructed to it. And the people I learned early on as a city arborist are really concerned about the trees and appreciate them. You can see on this block here, all the native oaks. In fact, there's one in the middle of the street on Markham Way that they have to drive around and that they saved. And the neighborhood, early on 1993, they raised $6,300 just to do tree inventory at William Curtis Park. They did multiple tree plantings, which I assisted with in the park. And then when Dutch elm disease started attacking the trees in William Curtis Park, they stepped up and raised money to protect them by doing a preventative fungicidal injection. And now these have to be done on a three-year cycle. And up until COVID hit, they had already spent $40,000 on treating approximately 13 elms in the park. So the neighborhood is definitely committed to trees. And during the when they were building Crocker Village, I would always get calls because I'm an arborist about what was going on. And back in 2016, the Sierra Curtis Neighborhood Association hired a consulting arborist and sent a report to the public works director concerned about what was happening with the trees in development. And I have some letters here that I can give. And then furthermore, on November 2020, Sierra Curtis Neighborhood Association sent a letter to the urban forester, Kevin Hawker, to ensure that when the homes were constructed, that these, there was only 13 trees that were preserved. That when these homes were constructed, that the new owners were aware that these were protected trees. And that's why I got the call when this tree was posted, because it was the understanding that these trees were to be preserved and that there was no issues with them because urban forestry originally required Petrovich development to save these 13 trees. 
Now, I wasn't involved in the project, even though I was working for the city as a city arborist. Then, when the trees were pruned, when Petrovich was put in the fence, Urban Forestry was out there again. Then, when we sent the letter in 2016, Urban Forestry again was put on notice about these trees, and then in November of 2020. So, Urban Forestry has been out there multiple times looking at these trees. There's only 13 trees. At that time, if there was an issue with any of the trees, why wasn't it brought up? Like, you know, it was an oversight originally when Urban Forestry said to keep them and that, well, maybe we should take this tree out because of some structural issues. But that never occurred. And you can see you brought up the point about the grade changes. And so that was one of the issues. I mean, look at this. You lose a good portion of your backyard because of this significant grade change. And so this is the second tree that has, the owners have come forth to petition to get it removed. Now, with the Crocker Village project, originally there was 300 trees. 147 were deemed heritage trees. And then urban forestry uh, required 54 to be preserved and they they issued a removal permit because of toxic soils, et cetera. And so there was only 13 trees that were saved. And it was along the north boundary of the site. And it's probably due because there wasn't toxins in the soil. And this is the tree you can see from here. Now, what I wanted to point out is, because I just got the staff report this week, was on the application, it said the subject tree has stress fractures and that's a plural, fractures, and included bark in the main branch union. Now, the definition of fractures is cracking or breaking. And then further down the next paragraph in the report, when Tyler inspected the tree, it says the information contained in the tree permit application was consistent with the observable condition of the tree. Now, originally when I got calls to the neighborhood, I emailed Tyler and I had some questions. And at that time, and you're going to get that email, I was never told that there were stress cracks in the tree. Because if there were stress cracks in the tree, we wouldn't have wasted our time appealing this. Because you can address the cracks, but the city doesn't require homeowners to install support systems and bolting and cabling. And so, like I said before, they've inspected this tree several times. Now, here's a Japanese alcova, about similar size. It's a little smaller, 13-inch diameter. And this has a fracture. Now, if you look really close, you can see the crack going all the way down. Now, as an arborist, I always carried a hacksaw blade with me because then you can stick it in to see how far the fracture is. Now, here, uh, these pictures were provided by Urban Forestry, and this is the branch union. And I don't see any open cracks there. And this is the main fork where there, there is, you know, multiple stems there. But here again, I don't see any cracks, but I wasn't able to physically go and look at the tree and touch the tree. Now, the thing about Valley Oaks you have to understand is, and most arborists fall into this, they try to you're looking at a native tree versus a cultivated tree. And there are two separate items, structure is structure, but when you look at the valley oaks, 
Most of the structure is typical like this. And the other thing you have to understand is this tree was growing native. It's never been professionally pruned. And so the majority of native oaks you're going to look at are going to have some type of structural issue because it's never been professionally pruned. And this is one along the American River bike trail. And I've been observing these trees for over 20 years. I ride on the trail at least twice a week. And you can see right there with the arrows, this is the way they grow. Now, it's, it's, it's kind of folding out, but the oaks grow really slow. And when they're putting down the wood, it's really strong. And here's the other side of it. Now, some people will say, well, that's a stress crack. That's just a natural fissure. And when you look at that tree, most arborists would go, well, that, that's very concerned structure to have. However, the tree has been there, and we just had that catastrophic storm. And when I'm riding down the American River bike trail, nominal, compared to what we saw in the city, they don't fail because it's just they're, they're native oaks, and this is how they grow. They grow different than cultivated trees. And here's this other photo. You can see where the, the two branches actually fuse together. And so because they grow slow and they're putting on the wood slow, they're not as susceptible to failures as much as cultivated trees. Granted, they do fail. They do fail. But you can see what these branches grafted together. Now, there's a, a pruning guide, and I'm going to leave that, too, with you uh, by Dr. Ed Gimmon, Brian Kemp, Nelda Matheny, and Dr. Jim Clark. And it talks about structural pruning. And when you structural prune, you don't do it all at once. Because arborists will go, well, you're taking off 30% of the canopy. You don't want to do that. Well, what you do is you do it in stages. And that's how you reduce the one limb. And we know that that one needs to come out. But you don't have to do all your pruning at once. It's, it's in multiple prunings. And that's how you develop you know, the structure on the tree that has these issues. And we all agree that that one stem there needs to come out with the red arrow. We all agree on that. And the concern is, well, you're making a, a cut at the base, and it's going to be a large wound. And when you have wounds at the base, decay can get in there, and it could affect the stability of the tree. But this is a young tree. And so when you make that pruning cut, it's going to close over. And each year, it's going to put on another growth ring. It's kind of like pipes. And so the concern about making a large wound at the base of the tree is not so serious because of the age of the tree. Plus, when you start pruning this tree, you're going to do it in a stage. You're going to go out there. And then you'll also can address the rest of the tree. Now, when they talk about you know, taking too much off, well, this is a 36-inch diameter valley oak in the alley right behind these properties. And this is a city tree. Well, Urban Forestry had issued a permit to the owner to prune the tree. And this is what they did. Now, I had gotten a call, but I didn't have time to go out there when the crew was out there cutting. And they did get a permit. Well, when I went to look at this tree, I'm looking at it. And I said, you know what the pruning objectives of this tree was? Because the house is like 30 or 40 feet away. The pruning objective of this tree is they're going to be putting in a swimming pool. And the reason why I said that is I learned over 25 years ago 
that when you build a pool underneath the canopy of a valley oak, it clogs the pool filter. And so when I was city arborist working on the permits and stuff, I would only allow the property owner to encroach on the drip line after we did some digging to make sure it wasn't gonna affect the root system, that they had to have an automatic pool cover put on the pool in order to build under the Valley Oak. Well, when I went back there a month or so later, guess what was being constructed? A swimming pool. Then I had- Well, if, and if I could interrupt you just a moment, it appears to me from that photo that there was a concern about power line proximity. Well, that, see the, the power line, that's what smudged pruning the one side of the tree for power lines, but you can see all the growth is going to the south. So that, that's always been pruned. Smuds on a three-year cycle, they're required by the PUC to provide a minimum of 18 inches of clearance. But if you're looking at the photo there, you can see on the left side of the photo, all those branches going that way. Because of the smud pruning, the tree redirected its growth going to the south. And, and so then you can see, well, then what happened is that following April, they were back out there again pruning the same tree. And I guess my point is, is like they allowed this tree to, to take off, you know, probably 40, 50, maybe even percent more of the tree, but yet they're saying on the, this other tree that, oh, we can't take more than 30%. This is just a, a point. It's like the, on one side, they're saying one thing, and on the other, this is what's happening. And so the permit should be denied from the fact, I mean, unless there are fractures, but I was not aware of any fractures and I wasn't, I didn't find that out until I got the staff report early this week. And so if there are actual opening splits that you can put in there, then we can understand. But if there are no fractures and it's just structural issues that this tree should be preserved because there's only 13 trees originally that the city required. And the fact that urban forestry was out there multiple times over a period of years and didn't identify the issue at that time makes me believe, because the arborists originally that said save the tree, they were looking at it like from my perspective that you can do structural pruning on it. It doesn't have to be done all at once. And so there are arborists out there who have the talent that can work on this tree. And it's gonna take multiple prunings. It's not gonna happen all at once. But the other thing too, it's like we've just went through some catastrophic storms. And my understanding was that there was no damage from the construction because when they're building, I mean, something could have hit it and caused a fracture. Or we had you know, over 60 mile an hour winds and that could have caused a fracture. Now, a fracture, remember, means there's a crack, a break in the wood. <laughs> and so that's why we feel that the tree should be preserved. And that's the end of my presentation. And if you have any questions. Thank you so much. Um, does that conclude the presentation of all appellants? Um, Arborist Hawker, could you respond, please? Yeah, th there are no other appellants here today in, in the room. 
Are you wishing to make any statements following that? Only if you have a question. Do you have any questions about what he you, just You have identified or the arborists in charge of this particular case have identified stress fractures. Is that correct? That is correct. And I'll let uh, Tyler Lehman uh, address that. Tyler, okay. can you point out in the photos or describe the uh, stress fractures you observed? I, I did see the photos and I I am recalling the, uh, the view that was given to me, but you are verifying that there are stress, stress fractures. That's my question. Sure, at the base with. Um... Oh, Tyler, you're going to have to turn your mic on. Oh, oh I thought go. I had to hold it down. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's on. All right. Uh, yes, there's a stress fracture at the base with the, where the codominant stems arise. That was the, the picture that I showed you where you could see the kind of daylight through uh, between, the, uh, between the two um, codominant stems. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then with stress, the consideration of stress fractures, um, let's move 15, 20 years down the line. Um, is there a level of, well, certainly concern but predictability, predictability of potential failure of that tree to cause harm to um, the subject property, the as-built subject property, or individuals who may be nearby when the tree fails. I'm sorry, can you repeat that question? Well, you know, you've identified stress fractures, and let's say nothing is done to the tree, and it's allowed to grow for another 15 years. Is there a level of predictability or assumption that can be made as to whether or not this tree actually does pose a potential danger to uh, the structure or humans? Uh, yes, due to the uh, nature of the defects in the tree, there is a, a higher likelihood of failure of um, you know, branches and, and stems at the point of these defects. Um, as for the consequences of the failure, I, uh, I, I assume you said you have a family. Um, and, and young children, there, there's going to be a higher occupancy rate in the backyard, um, most likely around this tree, uh, meaning the consequences of failure would be um, higher were the trees to fail. Well, thank you for that. Um, okay, is there anything further either from the city, property owners? I'd like to clarify two issues, if I could. Sure. Uh, uh, Mr. Braskowski brought up several points, um, but there's two that I'd like to address. And just for clarification for people who may not know how the process works, um, this tree is privately owned and it's on private property. The city does not develop land or maintain trees on private property. We have observed the trees over time through the development process, through inspections and review of documents that have been presented to us. So we have observed these trees many times, but we do not provide the service of inspecting or recommending uh, action on them. We review what has been presented to us and determine whether that meets our code or not. The code does allow us to allow somebody to do non-standard pruning on a tree if the purpose of that non-standard pruning is to preserve the tree. The code does allow us to, to approve that request. The there's nothing in the code that allows us to require a property owner to perform non-standard pruning or some sort of non-standard 
um, action on a tree. Okay. Just want to clarify some of those points. Thank you so much. Okay, well, um, if there is nothing further on this item, I will go ahead and take the item under consideration. I thank you all for bearing with me in my late arrival here. And also thank you for the quality of um, information that has been presented to us today, both by the appellant and by city staff. Um, and I will be reviewing all of that prior to issuing a finding, but I will be doing so within 30 days of today's date. And as stated before, my decision in this matter will be final for the city of Sacramento. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you all. And I hope you have a great weekend, all of you. Ready to move to the second item? Yes. Okay. So the second item on the agenda is a appeal of the urban forestry's decision to um, approve a private uh, the, a permit to remove a private protected tree at 1891 Royal Oaks Drive. Um, the stated property owners are Avila uh, Capital LLC. The and today's the hearing date for for this item. So. Um, the applicant Redwood Residential Development LLC applied for a permit to remove city trees and private protected trees to develop a vacant lot um, in question. The tree permit application stated that the trees needed to be removed to develop the lake to develop the vacant lot. Urban Forestry determined that the information provided satisfied the city, Sacramento City Code 12.56.050B1A and issued the tree removal permit. The developer will plant 48 trees and pay an in-lieu fee of $6,175 to the Tree Planting and Replacement Fund. The decision to issue the tree permit was appealed by Trees for Sacramento. The appellant's primary concern is that the removal of the private protected tree is not required for the development of the property. So I'm going to give you some background uh, and some information on it as well. So in November 28th of 2022, Urban Forestry received a tree permit application from the applicant, Redwood Residential Development LLC, to remove 12 trees located at 1891 Royal Oaks Drive, which is a vacant lot. Urban Forestry and the applicant reviewed uh, the application and supporting documents and determined that only six of uh, the trees were regulated trees that were proposed for removal. So the subjects include one interior live oak, one valley oak, one modesto ash, three Zelkova trees, and the trunk diameters range from 10 inches to 36 inches. The tree permit application submitted stated that the removal justification for the subject trees um, as new construction known as the, the Grove at Woodlake, a high density housing project approved in March 22nd through the city ministerial housing approval process, which has a record number of IR 21-366. In January, 25th, 2023, Urban Forestry reviewed the tree permit, the tree removal permit application information submitted and determined that the information satisfied the conditions of Sacramento City Code 12.56.050B1A. Urban Forestry approved and issued the tree permit to remove six regulated trees with a total aggregate diameter of 118 inches with the condition that the applicant will plant 48 trees with a total aggregate diameter of 99 inches and 
on, and those trees will be planted on site and pay an in lieu fee of $6,175 to the tree planting and replacement fund. On January 25th, 2023, Urban Forestry posted the tree removal notice on the site and uploaded the tree removal notification to the City of Sacramento website to notify the public. On February 9th, 2023, the City Clerk's Office received a completed tree permit, tree removal permit appeal form accompanied by uh, the applicable fee. The appeal is only for one tree identified as tree 3041 in the Arborist Report and accompanying exhibits. The primary concern is that the removal of the private protected tree is not required for the development of the property. The tree being appealed identified as 3041 is a 33 inch diameter valley oak and it's located on a narrow portion of the property and prevents the construction of the required fire access roads. So um, I'm only going to read through the policy. There's some definitions of what's a private protected tree. We know that this is a private protected tree. I want to read Sacramento City Code 12.56.050B1A, which I've referenced. And it says, for the issuance of private protected trees, the director shall issue tree permits for removal of private protected trees if the director approves of the tree replacement plan and the director finds that the tree must be removed to use the property for any use permitted as of by right, as of right, or by discretionary permit under the planning and development code for the zoning district in which the tree, in which the property is located, and the use could not be made of the property unless the tree is removed. So this, this project doesn't have discretionary uh, application. It was a ministerial application, but the, the tree prevents the use of the site, okay? So what I'm gonna show you in a second here when I get this up is a few, a few diagrams here. Wait a second for it to show on the screen. So this is a, let's see if I can get this mic closer. This is a, a image of the site. You can see that it has a very strange shape right there. The tree in question that is the subject of the appeal today is this tree right here. That's the only tree that is being appealed. The other five removals, nobody has appealed that. We're just talking about this one tree in this one location. And you can see that this narrow portion of the site is, is sort of a pinch point in the whole uh, configuration of the site. And you can see that the, the drip line of the tree extends throughout the entire width of the property in that location. Okay, I'm gonna show you another exhibit. As soon as I find it. Okay, this is a diagram of the, and this is taken from the, um, the approved plans for the project, and this is the fire access plans. I'm not an expert on all the nuances of, of the fire code, but in general, we have to have the ability to fight fires in any pr property. We have to have two points of entrance and exit, we have to be able to get the fire trucks through and, and move. So what you're seeing here is diagrams of these 
images of, of the trucks where they would, where they would travel. Mm -hmm. And then these blue lines here are, are potentially where they would be able to drag their hoses. So, and that's how, that's their plan on that's how they're gonna fight a fire if they get in there. They'll pull up here, run the hoses here, pull up right here, run the hoses right there. And in this area, they would pull here and run hoses here. The fire access road has to be 20 feet wide. And this, uh, I don't know the exact uh, width of, the, of this area right here, but it's very narrow. It's gonna go into the drip line of the tree. There's really no other reasonable way to do this. I'm gonna show you one more thing. I know it's been confusing about this project in that normally people expect projects like this to go to a planning commission or be, have some sort of discretionary approval. The city has recently, through prompting from certain state laws that have changed, developed a ministerial approval process that, that relies on objective development criteria. And the list was very long, so I didn't want to print it and display it and take everyone's time. You have a copy of it yourself. Uh, you'll know it's quite long. I've taken an excerpt of it to show you two things. One, that there's a list of objective development standards. And, and again, the list is very long. They have to meet these objective standards. Tree removal is not one of those things that's on that standard. And there's an advisory note on each one that says that a permit will be required by another department for regulated work concerning private protected trees or a city tree is part of this project. And then see city code chapter 12.56.050. So hopefully that explains a little bit about that. Um, and the plan that you were showing or the photos that you were showing, it's my recollection on this particular project that there is um, a school nearby, not a school, but there are like uh, dwellings that are nearby to the proposed development, which would be, should a, God forbid, a fire take place at the new property, um, fire would, could spread to adjacent um, buildings that have been built, which causes great concern. So the need for fire apparatus to be able to enter safely and prevent fire is among the driving forces, if not the driving force to um, substantiate this request, correct? That, that is correct. There are neighboring buildings, there are neighboring residences in the area, and the, 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 the fire department needs access to each and every property in order to fight fires. But yes, they also have to have a plan to be able to fight fires that may spread from one property to another. So fire access roads are uh, a, a critical life safety issue that is con considered on every property. Okay, and the diameter of the tree in question on this one is what again? It is 33 inches. And okay. if you'll um, allow me to pause for a second, I have some notes mm -hmm. on, that, on that to give you some context as to what that uh, means in terms of replacement requirements. So a, 30, a 33 inch uh, tree, the standard replacement for that is 33 inches of new trees. So it's 33 new one inch trees planted on site or um, that would be about 17, uh, 16 or 17 uh, two inch diameter trees planted on site. Um, and if in Luffy's were to be used, 
that would be come out to the equivalent of $10,725. The project has already proposed a, a replacement scheme of, I, I believe, over 48 trees being planted on the site already. And so to, to kind of pull the one tree out of that, that, that mix, it would be the equivalent of 14 trees and $6,175 uh, in, in lieu fees. So that, that's what it, it's the 6,000 plus about 14 uh, uh, new trees. Okay, thank you. Appreciate the clarification. And, and the, the applicant, uh, Maya, Maya Thayer, and, and uh, another representative of the, of the project, um, Nate Oakley, are here as well to answer any questions or uh, assist in any way. So if you'd like to hear from them, now would be a good time as well. That'd be fine. We could have them step forward, please. Absolutely. Hello. Hello. I'm shorter than Kevin. Uh, <laughs> so uh, good to see you again, albeit virtually. Um, my name's Maya Thur, and um, Redwood Residential is my company, and this is my housing project. And so just wanted to give a little bit of background as to kind of what happened between last hearing and today. and. Um, Daniel uh, and Trees for Sacramento, uh, we had some kind of offline conversations because last time I felt my team and I, you know, we, we could have done better than we did. And so we came back um, to Trees for Sacramento, did a little bit more homework and said, hey guys, we can save 15 more trees. And the trees that we cannot save are being taken out for a reason. And this tree 3041 is being taken out for a big reason. And that is that without it, you don't have two access points to a public road. And therefore, like Kevin was saying, you cannot bring a fire truck into the site safely and have it exit safely. Um, so this road on the northern side off of Royal Oaks does have that kind of funky little pinch point. Um, these lots are kind of bizarre in their shape. Um, to our north, we have a neighbor that's an apartment building. It was built in the 80s um, and to our north, West, we have an elementary school, so good memory there. Um, and then to the south, we have Highway 160, and the whole lot itself wraps around an office building. And so by product of building our housing and our kind of surrounding roads, we're affording fire an ability not only to protect the housing that we're building anew, but also to roundabout to the existing uses surrounding so that they'll be able to protect in a more um, kind of surround and attack type way. That's um, the formal formal uh, fire speak there. But um, so I just wanted to, to let you know that, that we, Daniel and I have had some good conversations offline. Um, I think we made great progress, hence the hiatus between the last we spoke and today. Um, and this 3041, albeit a large tree, an old tree, um, is one that precludes the ability to fight fires for housing and therefore needs to come out um, and be mitigated, which we are. You know, 14 trees, $6,000, more than $6,000 um, to make up for the fact that it's it's coming out. So um, I just felt it was important to provide a little bit of context because it might be confusing to have seen me on a screen in October or whatever and then see us now. So. Um, thank you for your time, and I'll be in the audience if there are any questions. 
Okay, thank you so much. And I appreciate you working cooperatively with city and private staff or uh, Dan to um, toward a, a good end. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely, thanks. Okay, um, we have an appellant or Good morning, Dan Piskowski. I reside at 2309 okay. Castro Way. Stop you there, and I'm going to state for the record that we have um, heard from you in the previous hearing, so I want to ask you to move forward to the actual case at hand. Um, and thank you for sharing your qualifications, which I have noted and are recorded. All right, I am here today on behalf of Therese for Sacramento, which is a nonprofit that formed a few years ago in response to the paradigm shift that happened in the city where they went from protect and preserve to remove and replace. Now on this project, I'm showing this because these are some of the trees they're taking out. And it's important to note, these are Japanese alcovas and the way they are located is they were planted trees. Now this lot has been vacant for at least 30 years because I talked to some residents in Wood Lake, but it was previously developed. And at that time they required the preservation of this 33 inch diameter valley oak. And these are, they're in the background there. Those are some dead Italian stone pines. Same thing, when you look at the spacing, these weren't just volunteer trees that came up. They were planted and they grew. And plus on the site, you can see where other trees, they probably died and stuff were taken out because there's wood chips you know, strewn about. Now we worked with Maya and these were four trees that were off site on city property that they originally wanted to remove. So they wanted to remove trees, not on their site, but actually off site. And so they were able to preserve those trees, which is very helpful. And when you look at the site, I mean, it's pretty much clear. I mean, you can develop this site and still preserve this tree. Now, when you look at the tree, you can see it's off to the side. Now, the one thing I wanted to point out, because in the staff report, it says the reason for removal, it prevents the construction of required fire access road. But if you read further in the report, it said the northmost entry, which is where that tree is, will be the singular access point for vehicles into this site. This access point also supports other modes of travel, pedestrian, bicycle, and will also serve as an entrance exit for emergency vehicles. Now there's a second access point along Royal Oaks at the southeast, which will be for emergency access vehicles only with a gate preventing other uh, traffic. So that's, that's the one um, lower down here. That's gonna be the second access. It's gonna be parking, but there's gonna be so I haven't seen scale drawings, but Maya has hired one of the best arborists in California, actually in the Western chapter, which carries California, Nevada, Arizona, Hawaii. And you can construct roads close to oak trees. There are certain um, preservation methods you can do it, but like throughout the city, if you look like along Pocket Road, I mean, we built roads within like three or four feet of the trunk of a tree. And so another option you could do is you could have ingress and egress. Now I know on the bottom part there, 
where it, just the fire access is, that could be one way going out. And the reason why you'd have to do that is, is because the entrance to 160, but you could have them come or actually come in that way and go out on Royal Oaks Drive. And so there, there are other solutions. Like I was a Soul City Arborist for 15 years and I worked on like 95% of the projects for the city of Sacramento that involve trees. And there's a lot of different solutions you can come up with on preserving trees. And so with this uh, fire access road, um, here's a picture of the tree. There's opportunity to work around it because actually right next door is the city utility detention basin. And I'm sure the city would allow some encroachment onto their property in order to save this tree. I mean, I work, like I said, I worked with all the various city departments over on all these projects and they're willing to work with people to make things work and preserve trees. And this is a, another photo of the side. And so you can see it's, it's close to the other property. It's only about 10 foot off the trunk. And like I said, I, I worked on hundreds of projects and just trying to get a road in here, I think it, it's a possibility. Now there are some problems with the tree. There's an old scar here that it's closing up. And when I see this one, it almost looks like similar to this other one I saw. It was an old fire scar where they, they put the 55 gallon drum next to the tree and they were burning wood to stay warm and stuff. And it, it caused you know, problems with the tree. Now, what they're claiming for the reason for issuing is the current tree permit. And it states there the use could not be made of the property unless the tree is removed. Well, this is the same ordinance I worked with um, when I was the city arborist. It was heritage trees. Exact same wording, exact same wording. But we were able, because it says the use. You can use the property. You're not going to be able to maximize the number of units. So say the property is zoned for 250 units. Well, if you save the tree, you might only get 240 units but you can still use the property. And so this was, the, here's the ordinance that I worked with for 15 years, and we preserve trees. And so urban forestry is interpreting it, well, if we can't use the property, we gotta take the tree out. Well, what's the purpose of the heritage, the pre preservation ordinance? Because every developer can come in and say, I can't develop this site because of the tree. You can develop the site, but you're not gonna get the maximum square footage that you might wanna get. And th this is the point, and um, it, here's just some projects. This is down in the pocket area. You can see the Valley Oak in the corner of a residential lot. The Parker Development had to save it. They had to save it. He could have said, I'm not gonna be able to sell this lot. Like, this lot is still vacant. And Parker Development built those other houses like late 80s, early 90s. Someone doesn't want to buy it because they're not going to be able to get the square footage they want, or they want to put a swimming pool in the backyard. Here's another one right here. The whole lot was abandoned. Parker Development could have built another house here, but they put the oak in there. And this is the exact same ordinance that Urban Forestry has now that I was working with, and they had to save the tree. Look at it. I mean, Parker Development could have said, 
I, I can't build on this lot. Well, that's right. You can't build on a lot, but you build all the other houses because the purpose of the ordinance is to preserve trees. Uh, here's another one. Dos Robles. Like, there's, there's hundreds of areas where all these oak trees were saved and the site was developed. They couldn't be developed to the maximum because it, it's understandable. If you have a tree, you're going to get less of the site to be developed. And so the, you know, the preservation of this tree was originally required when this lot was developed before. And so it should stay. At 33 inches, it, my estimates, because I used to count growth rings on trees were cut, that were cut down on native oaks, and they put on between three, every, they put an inch of trunk diameter from three to five years. So at three years, it, it'd be like 99 years old. At five years, it'd be 150 years old. So the tree has been here a long time, and it, it should be preserved. And it's right up in that corner, and a road can be constructed. You have to work with the city or something, and you do in, ingress, egress. But like I said, I don't have scale drawings. I mean, this was the first that came up about the, the fire access road. But, and the reason why I think utilities will do it, because this is the one parcel. The other parcel's on the other side of the detention basin, and they're talking about putting a road connecting the two parcels. Well, if they're going to put a road, they're going to have to get permission from the Department of Utilities. But it being a detention basin, I'm sure they would work with you because by putting the road in there, <coughs> that's going to give their trucks access to their detention basin. They're going to have a paved road right up to it instead of having to drive through dirt and then when it's muddy and stuff getting in there. And really, it's a beautiful tree. So you can see like there's the corner of the post right there, and there's a tree. <coughs> you should be able to get a road in there. But like I said, I have not looked at scale drawings. Uh, this is something, you know, just came up about this road. And this have is you, what- Dan, have you considered um, the size and configuration of fire apparatus that would be required to go near that tree to tend to a fire to get in? And also, by virtue of the fact that we're talking about a detention basin, that in my mind, and perhaps I'm wrong, but a basin denotes a change in elevation to act as a point of collection of water. Is that correct? Yes. So what you're suggesting is they would construct a road that would then alter the, the capacity of a detention basis. Oh, basin. Well, no, because if you look on the, it's hard to see here. The detention basin doesn't drop off until you go further into the property. There's an edge. It's kind of like where all those oak trees were. You're mm -hmm. not going to have to go into the detention basin with the road. Where the existing ground is flat, you're just going to, you know, use that. And the thing is with the fire apparatus, I'm familiar with it because on the American River bike trail, they have to get fire apparatus on there to fight fires because I'm riding like uh, I was, there was a fire there last year when I was riding and the trucks have to come down. They go on the bike trail itself. They ride on the bike trail. And so right. I'm familiar with the Free heights and stuff. The bike trail then has no trees. Oh, there's hundreds of trees. They're all well, right no, next I'm to it. They just, they just trim them up. Where the apparatus are driving. <laughs> no, they're, they're, there are trees right up against the asphalt where they're driving. Okay. Noted. <laughs> Yeah. 
and so because they, they got to be able to fight all these wildfires. And so that's why on this situation here, like I said, <clears throat> they need to go back to the drawing board and figure it out and they can make it work. I've dealt with Indian burial remains, just hundreds of different issues that seem impossible, but it's possible when you get everybody together at the table, get the engineers in there and say, look, we want to save this tree. What can we do? And, you know, and it's just constructing the road. <clears throat> There's different methods and they can come, you know, fairly close to the trunk and they might have to raise up some of the limbs on the one side for the, you know, fire truck access. But, um, it's what worth would that do as compared to the last place that we heard <laughs> where in the alley they had trimmed up just one side of the tree? What would that do to the integrity of this tree if one side of it was trimmed up like that? Well, no. On that other photo I showed you, they trimmed up that whole one side so there was no branches hanging over the pool. You just have to have 14-foot clearance on this tree for the fire apparatus, 14-foot. It's standard on all the trees you know, city street trees. And so that's all you need is 14 foot. You don't need all the way to the sky. And on mm -hmm. that other tree, that's what they were doing. They didn't want any branches hanging over their swimming pool, dropping debris that clogs their pool filter. <laughs> okay. So this, this, this is definitely doable with the pruning. Mm -hmm. they, okay. They don't have to just skirt it up. All right. Does that conclude your testimony, Dan? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, was there anything further from the city at this point? The uh, the applicant would uh, like to respond to some of the issues that were raised. Sure. Thank you. You can take there. Thank you. Thank you. Also shorter than Dan. Um, so I just wanted to put some facts out there real quick. Um, so for starters, this has never been developed. This lot has been fallow since the dawn of man. Um, I know this because we've had reports done and the only use that they could identify back in, I think it was like 1914 was potential orchard because there were some, uh, uh, like crop it, crop lines on the site. Um, other than that, no development. Um, so I, I just want to make that 100% clear. Um, and then two is that if it's in terms of capacity for building on the site, the zoning can accommodate about 275 units. Um, we're building 73 and we could build zero if we couldn't access the site from two means of egress. Um, that's a fire requirement. And thinking back in 30 years to when you know, theoretically a tree could have been preserved. We're building to 2019 code and the fire radii and the fire width of the road is much greater than it was at that time. Um, and then I wanna address as well, there will be no road connecting the east and the west sides of this piece. So that's not an option from a fire protection perspective. Um, this will need to access two independent points from Royal Oaks Boulevard as opposed to from 160 or any other means. Um, and then lastly, Department of Utilities and I have had some, a, a lot of spirited conversation about that drainage basin and it's absolutely not an option to encroach. So we cannot take even an iota of capacity. If anything, we might have to add more capacity to that because to your point, it's a depression. Um, that depression needs to accommodate what 
as of the last three months has been historic water flow, um, you know, and my site will be draining also into that. And so making sure that we can accommodate today's rains, tomorrow's rains, and some more units um, is mission critical. So bringing a road or any other kind of impermeable surface to that is not an option. Fiend, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank, okay. And anything else from City Arborist staff? I think we're, uh, I think that concludes everything, unless you have okay. any questions you'd like to ask. I don't have any further questions. I think that the presentation has covered um, a lot of very critical issues concerning this particular project. Um, I wish to thank everyone for their testimony here today, all of which will be taken under consideration. Um, it's never a, a wonderful thing to say, let's take a tree down. That's something to be said. Um, so there are a lot of factors yeah. to consider when this, um, during this decision process. Yeah. So with that, I would like to announce that I will take the item under consideration and be back to the appellant um, and the city within 30 days of today's date with my final decision. And Ms. Lorenzi. Yes. Additional items? No, that concludes it for today. Okay. All right. Well, thank you uh, all for attending today. Uh, thank you for the amount of time and effort that's been put into researching all of the projects that we've heard today. And um, everything will be taken under consideration. And uh, thank you for bearing with the giant screen TV image of me, which is interesting. Sorry. <laughs> thank you, Sandra. Okay, and at this time, we'll go ahead and call time on, on this hearing and um, get to the decisions.